title of it is why the tech generation is drawn to crypto and gamification investments. And basically, um, you know, it's not really an argument. It's more just why the younger generation is going towards that. And the older generation is kind of keeping their distance. Um, so the main point that they start off with is that millennials feel a new level of keeping up with the Joneses, especially in these COVID times where they're on social media more than ever before. And they have the ability to see everything about everybody and what they're doing or what they're saying or what their opinions are. Um, and a little, uh, you know, statistic there is 35% of Americans admitted they felt pressure to spend more than they can afford after browsing social media which I think is pretty low because, I mean, I want to buy shit every day and I got to tell myself, nope, that's not, that's not the move, Mike. Um, and then they also have a point, our generation has more student debt and dealing with more government instability than past generations, which I think we would almost all agree with, um, especially with the student loan debt and considering, you know, the housing prices now and when our parents bought houses and how, you know, it's a little bit different of times now compared to, you know, even 20 years ago compared to 40 or 60 years ago. Um, and the gamification side of it is more based on, you know, Robin Hood and these other platforms. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say like Blockfolio, but Robin Hood's the one example they have in here where, you know, they set up these trading apps for cryptocurrencies and even just, you know, take Robin Hood and stocks for a second. Like when, you know, you buy a stock, there's green confetti that flies across the screen and you're able to, you know, message out on the app, you know, just bought to like the community of investors that bought everything. And it's more of a wide based approach than just calling into your, you know, stockbroker or money manager and saying, hey, I want to put, you know, 10 grand on this. And you don't really tell anybody because you want to make the money. It's kind of turned into a group atmosphere where, you know, you have all the Reddit, Wall Street bets and the different communities on there where they basically, the aura of that is they want everybody to make money. And that's why they're saying it there. That's at least what they say, you know, whether they're trying to rug pull and have you buy so they can sell is uh, a conversation for another day. But their main argument is, is pushing younger investors into short-term outlooks based on the market sentiment instead of the long-term perspective, the solid fundamentals that they would have in traditional finance. And I mean, this is basically, I feel like every article I choose is more or less kind of a clickbait article, but it just seems like, again, you know, they're, everybody has the same access to social media nowadays. I think we were talking about that earlier, Jake. It doesn't matter whether you're young or old, it just matters how seriously you take it and how much you dive into actually figuring it out. So I don't think it's anything really about the younger generation specifically, but um, what are your, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think I, I, I agree with, yeah, especially the last thing you said, because um, yeah, it seems tempting for people to frame crypto investing as a, a fad it's new everyone's getting in because they have fomo they're making irresponsible decisions not thinking things through and just there's this air of judgment that it's irresponsible and i'm not gonna say that there isn't a lot of people jumping in for fomo i'm, I'm sure there is um and a lot of people that want those one week hundred times over growth i mean but yeah i guess to me that that isn't really anything particularly new um 
people have always chased a, a the, the hot stock tips. And uh, so one thing I hadn't considered is, uh, yeah, that, that point about how um, people like to share their investments and like, oh, I'm, I'm in this, like, I, I like this protocol, I like this program. And um, as opposed to kind of keeping it close to your vest, I, I definitely think uh, based on just my experience, our generation is a little more open to discussing money and investments and like specific details. I'm not, I'm not saying I go around telling everyone what I make or that other of my people like my age do, but, but it just seems like we're a little more comfortable talking about this. Whereas in the past, previous generations, you don't talk about your finances. You know, that's, that's personal information. You don't ask about it. Um, maybe you talk about it on the golf course about, you know, the stock tip you got, but, um, yeah, I, I just I think a lot of the criticisms here, the the uh, the the short termism, the FOMO, the I just think you could label that at anyone um, irresponsible investment decision making. I think it transcends age. It um, it's not really anything new. You can go back to the original crash of 1929 if you're looking for extreme irresponsibility. So, um, yeah, but uh, the the. The one thing, the other thing I thought I had is that um, this video was, part of it was a good explainer for people, uh, which I think is good. I, I think mass media like the USA Today, it feels like there's a bit of a sea change that's gone on over the last year or two, maybe a couple of years where the stories that you see about crypto are not like cute little funny stories or like dismissive criticisms. Like sometimes you get a full explainer because people are taking this very seriously. And it's not just being written off. So I think it's a bit of a temperature check when you see large legacy media organizations treating this space much more seriously. I don't know if yeah. you agree with that. No, was, no, I definitely do. And I mean, I remember, <laughs> so I've got, I've got kind of two quick stories and we can toss to yours. So my fear of missing out story was back in 2016, 17, where, you know, it, I don't know if you remember back then, but there was a huge crash right after Christmas where it first popped up to 20K. And that's when over the next six months, it went down to 3K. And I was talking about it for like six or seven months ahead of time. And I was like, all right, we're going to do this. So like me and my wife both took our holiday bonuses and put it in. And we just let that shit ride. And we were down like 80% after like two years. And now we're finally, like, we've been back in the green for like a year now. But that was one that was major, just like, it's never going to stop going up. I need to just put as much money as I can into this. And it was like, oh, yeah, shit comes down too. Uh, that's that's basically the main part of investing. But um, for the gamification thing, I, that's not a young thing at all. I mean, we I personally just moved back to uh, Illinois, and you can get the lottery like on your phone, like scratchers, <laughs> and you can you buy really? like lotto tickets, and they can take them out of like, your week, like you can buy a lotto ticket, you can set it up. So every day you buy five lotto tickets, mm -hmm. which to me is fucking insane. Just because that means that, you know, there's 60, 70, 80 year olds that are at home, don't want to leave the house, or might have addictions, and they just keep doing this. So that's gamification. And they've been doing that to the older generations, since probably the 80s. So I don't, I don't, I get what they're saying, but I don't agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, gamification, to me, it, it describes a very purposefully manipulative process where you take something that is meant to be seriously considered or has an air of seriousness to it, which is using your money to invest for your retirement. I mean, that, that's a very, it's a very serious act you, that people 
should you know, should be taking seriously. And when you gamify it, when you try to tap into people's biases and their kind of dumb side of their monkey brain mm-hmm. to try to take advantage of them, yeah, that, that gamification is, is not good for anyone except the company that gets to collect more fees. But if you're going to look at crypto as just, it, it's such a wild west, very high risk area, and then call that gamification or or t- just look at nfts yes a lot of them are based on games but they're very explicit about that and I, I just think that when you call something gamification there there has to be an element of purposeful deception um and th- i mean that exists in crypto i just think trying to describe it crypto broadly and lump it in that category I, I think it's just lazy and i don't think it's right agreed yeah but um cool well hey thanks for that's a good one. Uh, I also brought an article today, and I'm not going to go through a ton of it, but uh, it's basically the story of Sushi Swap. And right off the bat, I'll just let everyone know I own $37 of Sushi Swap. So if you <laughs> if you think that disqualifies my opinion for to be um, unbiased, I'll get that out of the way up front. Um, but I just thought this was uh, it was a case study. It, it's a it's a story really, and. So I found it interesting just just because it was it was a nice story to to read instead of just you know just pure information. Um, but it's a story about ultimately dysfunction, and it talks about the governance and kind of a bit of the DAO uh, attempts to build a DAO at Sushi, and um, ultimately. It started with Chef Nami, the founder. Uh, he took away a $14 million development fund, kind of absconded with it, but later returned with it. You have um, a structure that was created where every single discretionary spending decision had to be uh, like majority approved. Uh, you had cliques and teams forming that were just talking shit to each other. Uh, you had regulatory scrutiny that led to the booting of the leader that took over after Chef Nami, you just, to me, what this shows is that while a DAO in theory, it can be talked about, discussed, conceptualized, and enacted in a very automated way. I mean, that's what the A in DAO stands for. Um, At the end of the day, we're still talking about organizations that rely on people and teams. And to me, DAOs are just very interesting because you can build the perfect system, but it still relies on people trusting each other and working together in very functional ways. And I think this is a story about, about how that, how, how difficult it is to find a balance there. So what did you think about the article? Yeah. So my big thing is like, if, as long as you're being transparent and honest, I don't think the community has a reason to like revolt or like go against what, you know, you kind of said that, you know, even though it's a decentralized autonomous organization, there's still a small team that kind of handles all of the big things and, you know, the funds and different allocations for different meetings. But like Sushi just kind of seems, I mean, I, I read through and like the LevX guy just seems like in his mind, he thought initially he was doing the right thing, but came to realize over time that he was only hurting Sushi considering the price dropped 80% over the course of like a year. And that's why like, you know, apparently he was married to his wife that was on the team and nobody knew that they were married. 
and he helped them get money for her project or something like that. But that's the thing with these DAOs is like, you really need pure intentioned people to run these companies. Like it's almost like having, you know, like a Steve Jobs running your diet. Like you need somebody that's like transformational thinking to be able to keep it on the straight and narrow. But even then, you know, they can be voted out because that's the basic. I mean, I, I'm only, I don't even know if secret technically is a DAO, but with secret CFI, you're able to vote on proposals and, you know, bring up proposals if you have enough. And I just like that. I, I like that a lot. And you kind of brought up that, you know, um, you don't really know whether it would be messier for, you know, the, not the payouts. I forgot what you said in your, uh, your very clear and concise uh, argument last night, but basically like how, how you said, how do you keep it from going away from the proxies and people just sending their votes to other people to vote for them? I think oh. in crypto, like we were talking about the gamification, the younger generation has a more team mentality. Like if somebody like, you know, on wall street bets, they give that information out. They're not hoarding it because they're the only ones that want to make money. So like in this DAO structure, I think that as long as you have a community that's really in it for the long haul and sees the longer picture and isn't interested in a week, a month, a year trade, they're thinking, you know, five, 10, 15 years. I think that really has a good place to grow organically considering mm -hmm you know, everybody technically has a say and that's basically all our generation wants. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of, uh, old concepts, like you said, leadership, uh, collaboration, honesty, they still matter here, even though we people in a DAO can be completely pseudonymous to each other. Um, yeah, yeah. You mentioned, uh, that that was one area I'm, I'm very interested with DAOs is how you, encourage participation because if you have a governance token, you have the ability to vote, but so does everyone who owns a share of stock and almost everyone. No, no, I don't think, I think very few people actually look at the uh, proposals that are put forward for these uh, traditional stock companies. They usually, and I speak from experience in my professional life, most people just let a proxy vote for them. And here in this space, you, I, I think, people want participation. And so the question is, how do you encourage, how do you incentivize uh, the people who hold these governance tokens to actually participate in the community? And uh, is there a way, you know, that you might be rewarding them, uh, you might be kind of leveling the player playing field with quadratic voting, which is a term I encourage anyone to, to Google. It's an interesting concept. Um, but yeah, it's the, the idea of encouraging participation. It's uh, yeah, a really interesting area here. But um, we're kind of time um so i encourage everyone please check out the articles that are linked in the description please subscribe we'd love more subscribers here and um yeah we'll uh we'll be back on monday cool see you then brother all right see you bud